0: on movies with rebecca and jason are you gonna love them or hate them? Here,
1: here comes, comes the binge. binge hey everybody welcome back welcome back to the binge in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases if you've forgotten i am jason Leroy, and i am rebecca
2: olarte and today we have four movies yeah. can we can we do four movies
1: We're going to try. I think we owe it to you guys uh, because we have left you. We're doing one movie for every week we've gone without an episode. Wow,
2: it's been that long?
1: It's been a month. Wow. Yeah, Um, shame on us.
2: Yeah. I mean, you mostly. Yeah. Yeah, maybe two. I'll take it. Um, So the four movies we're going to take a look at today are Battle of the Sexes, Kingsman, The Golden Circle stronger and Brad's status which I thought was about something else entirely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. And um, Mike White who made it as gay. So he clearly knew that he was sa- he knew what he was doing. Right? We'll we'll get to that we'll later. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Um
2: in the meantime we are going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale with binge it being our highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means
1: le vie stay too short, poor set mess. <sighs>
2: this is this about you being in Canada?
1: I wasn't in the French part, uh, but I did see some French movies. And does it stick? It does.
2: <laughs> um, wow! So you know what's funny? Quick.
1: Yeah. Quick. What's that?
2: Um, you know, we we do the show every week, and like you know, this year is crazy for all sorts of reasons. And each week, we're like, man, there's like all this stuff that happened this week, and like we record, and then we would I would edit, and by the time I would upload it, things would have changed. We're talking about politics. Um, mm-hmm. But I sort of I'm like, what happened in the past? Has it been a chill month?
1: It feels comparatively. It's that kind of right? end of summer, just kind of like chillness that sets in when everyone just kind of mellows out for a little yeah, bit. Yeah,
2: everyone's just relaxing. Oh, I mean, I guess we're like constantly engaged in a Twitter war, sure. Twitter
1: nuclear war. There's been a lot of threats made, but uh, but otherwise, it seems like it's been it's been you know uh, in we've been conditioned to expect such a, a, a nonstop onslaught of, uh, of of aggressive horror. Yeah. Yeah. That when guess... things quiet down, it's still not like by any other normal senior standard. It has been bad shit this past month as well. But Didn't but but ban, by this year's standard, Bannon
2: left since we last recorded. Was that since we last recorded? I think so. I mean,
1: time has definitely lost all meaning. Still, oh um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, a month. Yeah, it feels like we've been away since uh, you know since the Reagan years even. But but here we are, and we're back in the saddle. And even guys, we just each other were reunited for the first time in a month.
2: And it feels okay.
1: Feels kinda of meh. Yeah. Um life's too short. Send it back. But um but the last time we saw each other was at a drag show, uh, in which uh, Tori Amo's performances were pitted against Florence and the machine performances.
2: It was definitely a generational
1: uh It was. Setup. We were Shocked and dismayed by the anti-Tory sentiment in the room amongst the Florence-loving millennials. I
2: would say dismayed, but not shocked.
1: <laughs> I was shocked. <laughs> As thought, a long
2: time fan of Joanna Newsom, I'm not shocked.
1: I thought I was in a safe space. Uh, and I was really uh, appalled how many people I'd run into that I knew who'd be like, oh, no, I'm here for Florence. I've never even heard of Tori Amos. I'm like,
0: oh,
1: You But, you know, like you said, it's a generational moment. So... That was the last time that Rebecca and I were together, Mm -hmm. and now here we are again. And guys, it's been a long time, and some of those things, well, really none of those things are things we could have any control over. Um, As you guys know, Mm -hmm. we were planning on having some episodes at the end of August. And uh, we had just a series of technical uh, hiccups Mm -hmm. that we just...
2: Technically, I didn't want to do it.
1: Exactly. Uh, Where, you know, like technically, uh, you know, the iPhone is is a technical thing. And sometimes you just get lost playing on it and you just don't want to actually do anything.
2: Or technically... um, I don't like you, <laughs> yes.
1: Rebecca, I, try, I
2: tried really hard to come up with something, but Rebecca
1: did not technically want to come to the house anymore. <laughs> she did not technically want to have to spend more time here than she needs to. Um, so, so there were those things. Um, and you know, we both we we've all bad about that because we knew we were going to have the giant uh the tiff outage. there it is. And, and, I uh, in. and guys, I went to TIFF, it happened, and in case you're wondering, three of the four movies we're reviewing this week were watched by me at, ding, TIFF. Uh, so we've come right back around full circle, mm. and we're about to gear up and start all over again. I couldn't be happier about it, and Rebecca looks pretty excited too, if I could speak for her right now.
2: <laughs> Just when I get used to not hearing it. It's time. It's time oh, yeah.
1: again. Oh, it's time. Because um, just like that, it's fall movie season. Mm-hmm. We're in it. We're in the fall movie season now. And I remember last year, it was when we saw the light between oceans. that I was like, all well, right. it's fall.
2: Yeah, with all those chunky sweaters.
1: All those chunky sweaters. Mm-hmm. And the all those, kinfolk and, movie? And the fishnet braids. Not fishnet. Fishtail braids. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they are both seductive <laughs> and <Frashy>. practical. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, uh, but before I dive into all that horse shit, Rebecca, what's up with you? Oh my
2: God, you asked. Um, you know, it's, it's, again, it's been a while. It's hard to really pick out the thing that, um, is up with me, except something just was up with me. Um, so a little backstory. Mm -hmm. Um, I recently had a, what I would call, um, tooth mishap, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. where, you know, it's like that thing. A
1: little TT tooth drama. Tooth trauma, tooth trauma. Yeah.
2: Yes, um, uh, basically just broke my teeth in half, sure. and uh, through all these, you know, all these different things happened. The summer and mm-hmm. um, it, it was. It's come to a point where I needed to get mm. it addressed.
1: She just keeps um, accidentally again. buying into plastic fruit is what happens. <laughs> she just keeps falling for fake Why centerpieces. Why does it look
2: so good? <laughs> and
1: she's always so excited. She just <sighs> goes at it it's full force. I full don't even force. like fruit. No, no. But, but that, that, that shiny, shiny plastic, plastic apple sheen.
2: gets me every time.
1: <laughs> I know. It's going to be your death. I, I, well, I'm calling it now. <laughs> now we'll see. Yeah.
2: So I go to the dentist today. Um and they take this 3D, you know, I, I bite on this thing, I stand in this place, I hold onto this bar, I look down, I'm like I have to put my feet in the spot and it's like oh yeah, it's oh, so intense. Yeah. Um kind of kind of interesting. And uh, this thing goes around and it plays like for at least like a midi file um, while I'm sitting there uh just to let me know, just to let me know that it appreciates culture and that I'm in safe hands. Um So it does a thing, and then like, and then we go to the screen, and the dentist is like, I can go ahead, and he's like navigating with the mouse and showing me my teeth, what my teeth would look like from inside my head, and like what they would look like for if you had eyes under your jaw, eyes in your nose. Like it's a crazy thing, right? Now
1: you're burdened with all those images. Yeah, I I mean, here's the thing: these people are meant to know what that thing looks like from those angles.
2: My sinuses look amazing.
0: Ooh, Ooh, yeah, I would say they're all right. Pretty. uh, I would swipe
2: a. Yeah, Damn you, it! Is you it would it swipe right? whatever the
0: right direction is on that. Whatever
2: the right direction is, on my science. Right. But the surprise was, well, the not surprise was I, I definitely have an issue. Sure. But the sure. Uh, surprise is, is that I have, wait for it, an extra tooth. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and and yeah. where? Mm, in my face. In your face. Yeah. I'm looking Behind, for it right now. No,
2: you can't see it. It's buried. Way up in my jaw, upper jaw. So I guess if you were to look at, at me and you were to see the space between my lip and my nose, uh huh. Now that's all you're gonna be able to see. Yes. Is that right behind there?
1: There's just this this giant incisor, mm, just waiting. It's smaller. To, just waiting. Oh, it's a little oh, smaller. Oh, it's a dainty tooth. No,
2: it's, it's not like it's so small. It's weird. Um, mm. It's about it's about half the size of my normal tooth. Uh, I see. And I also learned that my teeth are um, 50% bigger than most teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't know I what the adventure is.
1: My teeth are 50% uh, wood, it but, <laughs> turns out. Had some shoddy work done. The termites. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Um, I'm a historical you know, nut, so yeah. I just really wanted to go there. Go <laughs> Respect my founding fathers
1: in that way. Right, so you went out and chopped down the terry tree mm-hmm. and then and used the extra tooth to just sort of gnaw at it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all it's, really comes
2: back to my uh, obsession with fruit.
1: It does. Um, and so did you get to actually bear witness to your dentist when he realized that you had yeah. an extra tooth?
2: he was... Surprised, He said it is, quote, very rare. Ooh, and then,
0: freak. Um, yeah.
2: <laughs> She's
1: a super freak.
2: And I, I swore him to secrecy, and he said, well, that's what the law is. <laughs> I said, okay, fair. Sure. We'll um, so better. I feel like, I don't know, he said it's good luck, but he didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> He's a dentist, not a shaman.
1: And so, and this is, this is this is the kind of thing that can just keep peaceably living in your mm, face. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's not going to go anywhere.
1: No, no. Um, Unless like there's some sort of special weird like once in a lifetime like full moon no, I was eclipse. just thinking there's like a tide situation. Yeah, exactly. Where it starts to like force its way out or mm-hmm. like your body knows like you have this one extra weapon. It's sort of like vagina dentata, but in the face. <laughs>
2: Which is just dentata. Which is,
1: it's like dentata, but in the mouth. <laughs> um, and uh, and so you just like, your body will just know, and then the thing will just get ready to shoot right out. It's
2: like a silver bullet.
1: I mean, what's gross is that tooth, the teeth in general are just bones that grow out of our face. And we just have to sit there and act like that's normal.
2: Right, and then we like, polish them, and yeah, get them bleached, and, like, and we and like, we, we...
1: bear them at people to be like, I'm happy. Look at my face bones. <laughs> you know, if anything, it's more decent for it to stay inside. Right, so um, I have Where one... bones belong. I
2: have one tooth that has any amount of like integrity, and then the rest of these fucking showboaters are mm-hmm. or they're trying to get attention.
1: You know, last night I taped an episode of a of a friend's new podcast called Drunk Safari, um, <laughs> where uh, each person names their favorite animal, and they get you know dive into facts about. Oh my them, god! And start Can I be on this
2: <laughs> show? I have a lot to say about animals.
1: I will hook you up. Thank you. Uh, I talked about uh, uh, an animal called the okapi. What's that? Uh, which is it's just weird. It's a combination. When you look at it, it looks like a combination between a zebra and like a deer, um, because mm. it has like it has. It looks mostly deer-like, and then it has like this giant striped ass. Oh, okay. Um, and it kind of leads with its striped ass, and that's why I've always been drawn to it. <laughs> but um, but the host of the show had chosen the narwhal to complement my choice because both have horns in their foreheads, the mm. okapi and the narwhal. And it turns out the narwhal's horn. Is it's a tooth is it is, is <gasps> filled with nerve endings? Oh, and you and oh. it, it can bend up to a foot. Isn't that crazy? What? Yeah.
2: So it's, it's not a. So it's not solid.
1: It, essentially, yeah, it, it can bend. It's bendy. It can bend wow. up to a full foot, and it is a tooth because I think it's actually it like sh- it grows out of like the lower jaw. And oh. then I guess just emerges through the face. Doesn't that sound terrifying?
2: I mean, it sounds like something totally normal that a lot of people have <laughs> in their faces. They don't know what you're talking about. It doesn't sound weird at all. It sounds Rebecca's amazing. Rebecca's
1: partial narwhal heritage it finally sounds... comes into focus. So, wow. Uh, so, wow. So you guys hear, heard it here first. Uh, you've been hearing everything Rebecca's ever said through the filter of an additional tooth.
2: That's what it is. Now you mm. can tell. You can finally put your finger on uh, the thing that makes me right. sound so that weird. That
1: extra, that timbre of her voice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's that weird thing when um, that sound really. Resonates off that hidden tooth in your mouth.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, um, I, it'd be it'd be funny if you got like a filling on that tooth inside, and then I was, like
2: oh, should I get a grill on it? Oh my
1: god! And then it'll always be this weird thing that happens to you when you go through like metal detectors, and they'll you're like oh no, I have a tooth in my face.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Come on, give it a program.
1: Right around here.
0: <laughs> Feeling um, a little bitey.
2: Maybe it's one of those things where it's like a it's like an Arthur a sword in the stone thing. Maybe mm, at ooh. some point I'll, I'll meet somebody and they'll, they'll make the tooth emerge.
1: It's definitely a matter of your destiny. I think we can say that with great certainty. Yeah. Uh, Weird. Yeah. No. I think. I think. I think we have a lot to look forward to. Um, I mean, in some
2: cultures, I would be
1: worshipped as a god. I know exactly. Yeah. No. I think that's absolutely so, true.
2: If we could get on that. Mm-hmm. As soon as possible, yeah. guys.
1: Get that. back to us if you know of cultures where those with freakish extra teeth okay. are worshipped. Um, and to be clear, before you go start saying this online, Rebecca does not have a second row of teeth, <laughs> uh, and uh, and 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 it's a cruel, vicious thing to say. Uh so yeah, please. Would say that? So please don't start <laughs> spreading rumors that Rebecca O'Larte has a second set of teeth um, that are built into the gums above her current teeth. Um because it's just not true. It's just not true. Oh
2: Jason, uh I missed you. I hate you so much. What's up with you?
1: <laughs> well, thank you for asking. Uh so yeah, guys, I, I went to TIFF again and uh and there were some great films, there were some not great films. It was overall, it was a weird year where there were not any like super obvious best picture front runners. Oh. Like coming out of last year, coming out of 2016, we all walked out of the festival being like, okay, Moonlight La La Land. That's right. going to be like the death match for the rest of awards season.
2: And man, were you right. <laughs> yes. Until the literal <laughs> Right end. until
1: the absolute, even the week after. So you listen to our show. <laughs> uh, but uh, but no, like this year there were um, there were a lot of great performances, but the, the movies themselves also you know were great, but it just it it lacked any sort of clear frontrunner. So it's mm. going to be one of those uh, sort of like weirdo award seasons where there's not like a, a presiding sense of like oh it's obviously this or it's obviously this. Um, but there were a lot of great performances, and uh, but all that aside, which will all come up once we review the movies as they come out theatrically. I will give you a, a quick guide of my top three films mm-hmm. from the whole festival, which are uh, Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig's mm-hmm. writing directing debut; Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, uh, Missouri, yeah. starring Francis starring Frances McDormand; mm-hmm. and The Florida Project, oh, uh, the follow up the... to Tangerine mm-hmm. from filmmaker Sean Baker. So those are my top three. Um, but but the tale to tell, um, I would say, is of the moment in which I met Angelina Jolie. Go on. Picture it. Toronto. A few weeks ago. (laughs) Uh, I got a ticket to go see uh, uh, an uh, an interview with Angelina Jolie. Because every year at TIFF, there's always an in-conversation series. And I've never gone to them before. But this year when I saw that she was doing one, it's like, okay, I'll go see that. (laughs) I'll go see Angie. Because, you know... In spite of everything that she has been in the 21st century,
0: mm.
1: what she meant to me in the 20th century was a lot. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if, it, if you know, if I had the chance to actually say anything to her. I was worried that what would come out was like, I love everything you do up until <laughs> 1999. Oh, uh, yeah. Then that's when it took a downturn. But she's still obviously a goddess and one of the most iconic movie stars who's ever lived. And, uh, so I went to go see it and I was a really small audience, me and a bunch of like fellow Angelunis <laughs> and, uh... Is that
2: this partic- particularly Canadian name and, for... Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> it's sure. a form of currency there. Okay.
1: And, uh, you know, and it was definitely one of those moments where you're looking around and feeling a little uneasy about how you're being reflected back to yourself. hmm I'm like, well, I guess I am a middle-aged woman. Like, I always knew that. <laughs> and now here I am with my people, with my infralines. And... Uh, so uh, yeah, small audience and uh, ticketed event. People were amped. Mm. But then when she was introduced to come out and be interviewed, uh, she just like just just floated onto the stage and you just could feel the whole room going mm-hmm, because like there she was in the flesh. And um and she is it is it is it's a level of of beauty that just feels like you should almost kill it with fire like it shouldn't exist in the world like it's like don't let that don't like let... that's
2: a mentality that has existed for a long time yeah, unfortunately
1: yeah. It's, yeah it's a new thing I'm saying <laughs> um kill the <a> pretty lady <laughs> too pretty just too pretty and uh so then she sat down for an hour long interview uh, where she was asked about her career and uh and it was there were some surreal moments such as. They would play kind of kind of long film clips from her work on a screen behind her, mm. and so they'd be like, "Okay, and now." And then, of course, was Girl Interrupted. It was very James Lipton. Mm-hmm. And like uh, then Tomb Raider. Yes. Um, they, I mean, they, did, they did make a big fuss around um, some, some odd choices, such as like Maleficent. And, oh. um And they may I mean, Tomb Raider, they talked about a lot. But um, because I think that they were, you know, trying to stress the significance of her as one of sort of the first great female blockbuster action heroes. Mm. Um, but uh, so they played, from Girl Interrupted, they played her iconic intro scene from that movie
2: I'm trying to remember I only Uh, remember Winona Ryder for obvious reasons
1: so so like Winona gets there and then Angelina comes in and she has like that like that long weird choppy blonde wig and she's wearing like this kind of like fur trim coat over Mm. like a white tank top Mm -hmm. and white pants and -hmm. then she um and she like looks down the hallway and she's like greeting all the girls like hey torch um and then she sees Winona and she uh and she's like who's new girl And she's like, where's Jamie? Where's Jamie? Where's Jamie? And then like, and Cleo Duvall plays Winona's roommate. And so she like moves, he pulls her inside and she like shuts the door and Cleo sits and the bed starts rocking and Winona's like, what's happening? mm -hmm. And then Angelina like kicks the door open and throws it back and she's like, where's Jamie? Who the fuck are you? Where's Jamie? Where's Jamie? And then she gets like dragged, Whoopi Goldberg kicks in the door and then she gets dragged out and sedated uh and uh and it was watching
2: god about man I, should i rewatch watch that movie
1: i think you should should i yeah or is that
2: too like
1: no i mean i mean Brittany, on Brittany murphy's on in it yeah they showed when they showed her i was like i almost started crying right there in the theater and i just wanted to like be like angelina talk about Brittany murphy right now oh yeah did she <laughs> um no uh hmm. she had not talked about Brittany murphy right. um but i remember from i remember reading like a, a rolling stone feature in the movie when it came out and um and britney murphy was telling some funny story about how like angelina on the set like wouldn't talk to anyone Oh, um and or like she was like very in character and very like I'm Lisa, I'm like the cool one and um and, and Britney Murphy was just <laughs> like so,
2: is that the character you've been playing for a <laughs> yes.
1: while? And britney Murphy was telling some like funny story about like how, you know, like she was just like bumming around the set and then like you know and like angelina was like talking to her one day and then she just like stopped and looked at herself and she was like wait why am i even talking to you and like walked away he's <laughs> like ah, cool wow um and uh so anyway so just watching so angelina would just sit there staring straight ahead while these clips of her played behind her <laughs> that's so weird it was very weird and she just like wouldn't like she wasn't acknowledging them really she was just kind of like sitting there like graciously going through having these clips played of her and um and then they got into her directorial output because that's the main reason she was at the festival mm-hmm. this year is cuz she has a new film called First They Killed My Father mm-hmm. which unfortunately is not about the death of John Voigt. <laughs> um it is it is, a, it is a Cambodian film about the Khmer Rouge
0: yeah
1: and uh and it is Cambodia's official entry for best foreign language at oh. the Oscars this year interesting yes and uh so and they're talking about the you know they're like showing um in the the land of Blood and Honey, whatever her first one was, and then mm-hmm. Unbroken in this one, and showing these long clips and being like, yeah, you know, like you, these films, these films, these films. So you've directed four films now. Da, 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 da. It's so and weird because like,
2: you know everyone that went to that thing saw all those films. Like, that's the wrong audience to show those films to you, right? Like, why would you go well, to I mean, talk I, if I, you I, hadn't I, seen her? I,
1: I, don't, I don't know that everyone there had watched the one she directed. Uh, but, then, but then when he said four films, I was like, well, wait, but you're only really talking about three. What's the fourth one? What's the fourth one she directed? What's the... Oh.
2: Gone in 60 Seconds.
1: No, By the Sea. By the Sea? The one with Brad Pitt. Oh, with
2: Brad Pitt, the like short...
1: It wasn't short. It was a full movie? It was a feature. Ooh. Ooh. And and she directed it. Did they not show the clip of that one? In in that brief window of time where she was going by Angelina Jolie Pitt. Yeah, that was not mentioned. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, not mentioned. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, so that was all good and well. And we all just sat there like not even hearing what she was saying because we're all too busy trying to get pictures on our phones. And um, I'm sure it must be weird to be sitting there doing this interview, talking about your life and your career and your personality. And just to like a sea of iPhones, like looking back at you from the audience. (laughs) All right, well, that's the gig. That's but so at the end of the interview, you you know, they're wrapping things up and uh, and and this woman stands up and she holds up this sort of like this throw that she had like sewn, I guess. And I couldn't see what the front of it said. But it must have been not, I think it was something about some sort of activism or something. Because Angelina, you know, she was standing up and then she like looked at it. She kind of squinted and she was like, oh, could you could you bring that forward? Could you bring that up here? And so this woman like walks up there and like hands it to her and they're talking. And then people are just looking at this. This this this, this physical existence of Angelina is just staying there on stage, like interacting. She broke the fourth wall. And <laughs> she was, because in, in, I think some of us didn't believe that she was actually there. But she broke the fourth wall, and she engaged with the mortal. And then other mortals were emboldened, and so mm. they began to step forward.
2: This is like Mother.
1: This is exactly like Mother. Did you see Mother? I did. <gasps> okay, we can talk about that too, um, because I've had <laughs> a lot of questions. Be a
2: five-hour long podcast.
1: And so we all just sort of gradually began, and when I say gradually, I mean very forcefully. Um, I And when I say we, I mean I forcefully <laughs> began to elbow my way through all the middle-aged ladies in the audience uh to get up to the front and she uh and so she just kind of was there and then someone you know sort of became the first person willing to be like could I get a picture and she's like oh sure and then she like crouches down and poses for like the selfie and then another person's like could I get one and she's like "Uh uh-huh and then sounds like could you sign this and she's like sure wait a minute so
2: the 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 trailblazer was an activist and did this for um, altruistic reasons that are honorable and then everyone else was just jumped on that train for purely selfish reasons. Yes. Okay, just checking. Yes, but also
1: she, there were, when people did actually have activism related things to talk to her about, she like talked to them.
2: Oh, okay. So, Did you um, suddenly become interested in something?
1: Um, you know, I was like, any thoughts on, um, uh, circumcision? I don't know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, uh, and so I just, and, and then she just, she just gave herself to the audience. She was completely patient and poised and she would just, anyone who was like trying to get her attention, she would give it to them. Wow. And, um, and I am not very good at actually just like walking up to people and approaching them and being like, I got a picture. <laughs> um, and so I took a series of like fake selfies with her, um, where I just mm. sort of posed with her behind me and, uh, took pictures at like, so which you can see on my Instagram at excess um, and then eventually um, a woman um, grabbed me and was like, can you take a picture of her for me with me? I'm like, yeah, okay.
0: So she hands me her phone <laughs> and
1: then she kind of walks over to the stage. Angelina was on stage and we were all on the floor. And so it was this weird thing where we're sort of like tugging at her skirt, trying to like get her attention. <laughs> My God, um, I'm sure when you've like been in as many humanitarian war zones as she has, then, you know, this is like, she's like, I can handle this. This is fine. Um.
2: <laughs> Children in need. Tugging. Children in One need. One thing. Exactly.
1: She knows 40 that
2: 40-year-old she- gay man <laughs> tugging to get a selfie. Different thing. Yeah. Go on.
1: So uh, so eventually she tugs her skirt and Angelina, like, you know, graciously, like, even though we were all clamoring for her, like, she was so focused on just, like, whoever she was talking to at the moment, she was just fully focused on them. And then she would just make like, a clean break and move on to the next person. She never was, like, frazzled. She was never like, oh, hold on. Oh, I'll get to you. Oh, no. She was, like, it was otherworldly. It's like a Mother
2: Teresa moment. Clearly and truly. And then all those fishes came out with all those yeah. loaves of bread. You, she only had exactly. one.
1: Exactly. And I'm like, I'm doing keto, please. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, and so then, uh, so she gets Angelina's attention and points at me holding the phone. And so Angelina like crouches down next to her and like looks through the phone yeah, at Yeah, so did
2: you make, did you look up from the phone and look her in the eye?
1: So what I did was, so I took a bunch of pictures, which I think the woman all wound up not liking because she like made Angelina come back for another round of selfies, which Angelina did.
2: This is ridiculous.
1: And uh, so I took pictures with her phone and then holding my eyes in place, I moved the phone from away from my face and said, Foxfire got me through high school, Angelina. And she kind of like clouded over for a second with like, what did he just say? (laughs) And then she went. Oh. And then she sort of like nodded graciously to me, which was the main thing that she was doing to people who weren't talking to her about important things. Because mm-hmm. everyone else wanted to talk to her about, you know, like, you know, Syria or what have you. And uh, and I just wanted to be like, Foxfire! <laughs> um, and uh, and so that is what I did. And she acknowledged it. And I think people that I heard some other Angelinos around me go, Foxfire? And, what? Uh, yeah, I'm just like, you guys aren't fans. I'm sorry. You Mm-mm. probably think you're fans. I don't know if you like what life or something like it. I don't know what your favorite Angelina mm. movie is. Uh, beyond borders but uh but the only correct answer is Foxfire um wow. and uh so it was and I just floated I just floated floated right out of there um texting constantly with a friend of the show Jessalyn friend from high school that we were both obsessed with Angelina before Gia before Gia goddamn it before Gia <laughs> and then Gia of course
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know made it forever um, but well,
2: that sounds amazing.
1: It was amazing. And from there, I walked directly into the premiere of Mother uh, oh. and, uh, and saw Jennifer Lawrence uh, courting her crowd, her public, mm-hmm. uh, out in front of uh, the Princess of Wales Theatre. Uh, so Mother... Uh, Mother is a movie that I have had a few people ask us if we were going to review, and I'm very glad to hear that you have seen it. I have. We can just give it a little once-over before we get to the four movies that we still have to <laughs> review on this episode.
2: So buckle in.
1: After now Take we've had our tales of, 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 of celebrities and extra teeth. <laughs> That's what's up with us.
2: Um. Yeah, so I saw Mother um, when it came out, uh, the Thursday it came out. Um, I'm not quite as uh i i'm i'm neither a uh aronofsky fan Mm -hmm. nor uh foe uh, foe. Mm um so i was ready for anything and i also did not read very much about it i i like most people i think i had the oh this is going to be like a rosemary's baby like Uh um uh you know thriller and um it wasn't no To say the least, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, I left there um, feeling the only other movie that made me feel the same way was Waking Life.
0: Oh, what an interesting comparison!
2: Yeah, it's like a movie where it's like um, someone, college sophomore, reads the Bible, gets high, makes a movie, (laughs) or has takes first philosophy class, gets high, makes a movie.
1: I feel like you're projecting a lot right now. (laughs) Um,
2: I did not have a sophomore year of college.
1: Well, joke's on you. I didn't make it that Sucker. far. <laughs>
2: um, anyway. Um, it's just what
1: you imagine it was going to be like if you made it. Yes,
2: and this, is, this sounds terrible. I could have um, made that movie. I think I found it very entertaining. Um, and I do want people to see it almost in the way I want them to see the assignment. Like, let's talk mm. about how weird that was. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, the both... Unclear and heavy-handed and bizarre uh, allegory attempts, attempt, Mm -hmm. um, were distracting. um, And there is at least one scene of violence that I... Was not prepared for, and what mm. was surprised at how much it bothered me, considering the stuff I look at every day. Sure. Um, basically, when when Jennifer Lawrence gets beat up, uh, yes, And that once kind that of still was, saw... I
1: that was one of the most shocking things I feel like I've ever seen. Right. Yeah.
2: I I people I, talk
1: about the baby. I'm like, I don't care about the baby. no the baby because
2: you know that's fake. Right. This was filmed yeah. in one in the one take, mm-hmm. and you see her getting hit in the face. Yeah. So many times, and mm-hmm. you the sounds yeah. right there. I like I lean forward. I looked right. next to me the person I was looking in the right. movie with and then I looked down the aisle and this guy like three seats down like looked over too. We like kind of made eye contact. <laughs> right. like, and are we watching this? Are we, yeah, is this happening? The same? Should we yeah. do something? Right. Should I get up? Should yeah. I call somebody?
1: Yeah, the way that she just gets mauled in that scene. So hard to watch. And I had, um, So I didn't, when I saw it at TIFF, I saw it, it, was at a P&I, but one of my colleagues went to the gala screening where she was there mm-hmm. doing Q&A afterward. And in P&I is a press and industry screening. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And, uh, and someone asked her uh, what was the hardest scene to film and she was like well i'd rather not say but you guys can probably guess <laughs> uh yeah so yeah i mean like that and, and just the fact that she is then partially exposed in that scene mm-hmm. um it really made me feel like that was so much about the way that she felt violated by her photo leak that's mm. what i thought of in that scene and i think that's a great th- that's the thing about mother in general is that like people can draw any so many different meanings out of it and it's just like a rorschach test of you you watch mm. it and i'm like oh i think it's-. people are like oh it's about religion no it's about the environment i mean like for me i was perfectly happy to just engage it as like a really sort of scathing satire on like um public demand of of a uh, you know public demand for for angelina beloved figures selfies for angelina Jolie selfies you're like, oh, um, I see
2: myself in this movie. You know,
1: just like the, you know, I, I felt like it was a very personal, indulgent way for Darren Aronofsky to sort of tell a story about, like, being in a relationship in a public eye uh, mm. and, and the way that you are not allowed to be your own person and the way that the public demands you, uh, demands your generosity, demands your time, demands your personal life, um, and that, you know, the way that someone could be choked out of that kind of public relationship. Where you know, there's this expectation, this obligation to just keep giving and giving and giving to this insatiable public that's never satisfied. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then Kristen Wiggs there, and what the
2: the fuck was that?
1: That was the fucking best
2: when she she shoots those people in the head. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) what the yeah, yeah,
1: guys, I know we're doing spoilers. I'm sorry,
0: I mean, is it
2: really you wouldn't even know?
1: I mean, Um, I just think that I
2: just I, I like a wild ride.
1: Mm-hmm. And I like
2: a movie that, like, isn't very explicit in its meaning and its open interpretation. I mean, you know, I feel like the pinnacle of that, the most perfect example is Mulholland Drive.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: the and the thing about that is I feel like Mulholland Drive really just hit that line of, like, you're watching a series of events. And the first time you're like, oh, well, that's so crazy. Like, I'm trying to connect the dots, but I can't. But, like, mm-hmm. you are... I feel like this movie tried to make you think things and try to make you connect the dots in a way that um, was so unclear mm-hmm. that it was it was distracting during the movie. Like, there's a kind of a... All there I are kept a couple of breaks, was that the,
1: sink is not braced. That's all I keep seeing sink that scene is not in, braced. in
2: my head again, those people, like, jumping on the sink. Mm-hmm. But there's this, like, kind of division. There's this first part where it's, like, um, uh, the Ed Harris, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. what the hell, part. Um, and then there's this part where... The, where their relationship gets super wild, and then it breaks into like the 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 third movie at the end, right? Right. And those two things, if if that had been tied better together, like that part made me so confused how those two parts of the movie went together, mm. if, or if they the whole Michelle Pfeiffer part wasn't even there, right? And it would have jumped from the first to the last. I would have probably had a much easier time with it. Mm. Um, but it just I don't know. It was there was too much that didn't prove enough.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's for me I value it just as an experience Mm. uh it's like a cinematic experiment it's an experience it's a movie that you just kind of have to let happen to you and I think if you give yourself over to it it'll take you on a journey that no other movie has ever taken you on Mm, that's true um and uh, so even though it doesn't always make sense um you know I mean it's a provocation the movie is a provocation Mm-hmm. and uh, and I have to give it credit for that because I think there's a place for that I think there's a place especially as we like as TV gets better and better and people are asking questions are like well how does film distinguish itself from television um you know like mother is just a movie you know like mother is the kind of thing that could only really work as this kind of this is feature length ex- experiment mm-hmm. um and I think it's 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 never anything less than fascinating uh, I think that Jennifer Lawrence commits 150 percent To everything, to the point where I read um, uh, Vogue magazine's uh, cover story on her recently, and she said that on the set of Mother, which she said was the most emotionally grueling shoot that she's ever done, um, what they did was they made her. um, It wasn't joy. It turns out it wasn't joy. It was the most emotionally grueling thing for me to watch that she's done. (laughs) Uh, But they made a a little area for her to escape called a Kardashian tent. So, um, so whenever she was done with a take that was really grueling, they'd throw a blanket on her and she would run to her Kardashian tent and inside they had pictures of the Kardashians hung up and a TV that was playing a loop of the Kardashians nonstop. Wow. And so she would just go and sit in her Kardashian tent. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and just sort of like, just take a minute, just take a minute before she went back out there.
2: I feel like this is going to be my new iceberger question. <laughs> so like, what would your, what would be in your Kardashian tent?
1: Ooh, I mean, that's tough because I definitely have been using, I feel like mother. <laughs> I
2: feel, <laughs> I feel like a bunch of like um, broken glass, um, right. <laughs> the, the sounds of Yoko Ono mm. and then mother on loop.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I think that's good. I mean, the funny thing is I feel like I have made my own informal Kardashian intent just since the election
0: mm. of, you
1: know, I mean, my Kardashian intent show was Vanderpump Rules. Mm. Uh, so that was sort of like the thing I turned to after the election and just sort of like just used to distract myself with. And, uh, and I've continued to use, um, uh, my housewives and, and housewife Jason shows in that way ever since. So, uh, so I think it's those things for me. Uh, what would it be for you?
2: Um, Cat videos? I don't know. I think my Kardashian tent would be either Star Trek, the next generation mm. on loop or, um, maybe quantum leap.
1: Oh, okay I don't know no, one of those Nerd.
2: two
1: um, <laughs> uh, what do you think you would give mother uh,
2: one last thing about mother sure uh, <laughs> now that we're 45 minutes into this intro mm-hmm. um, I think I think that the thing that bothered me the most is and I know that there are other inter- interpretations of what it's about mm-hmm. but like there's a very there's a very clear line it would be uh, it would be hard to deny that there's not a reference
1: to religion in this movie. Sure, although the funny thing is I did not think about religion at all when I first watched it. Really? And it wasn't until just now that I was like, oh, right, King and Abel.
2: Right. I mean, that's just like even a yeah. part of it. Like yeah. um and, and also obviously Paradise Lost. Lion King. Um but 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 religion is something that um is so de- I don't know, like I mean, I hate it, but it also like deserves a lot m- a more delicate touch. Mm. And I, I, don't know. I just, it just felt a little, little heavy, a you, little, you little want, obvious.
1: You want it to be more respectful about religion,
2: or like there's so much nuance. You know, it, it infects, is infected everything and everyone at some point and has changed mm-hmm. the, the course of the world. Right, like be kind of subtle with it. Don't right. like don't. You're showing us a story that like literally we all know because we, we right. because we've had to because religion has taken over everything.
1: Right. Um, I mean, the so whole—it's just a wild fucking fever dream. I think mean, people use people throw a fever dream around a lot to describe no, different movies, or Coco Rosie. Uh, and I and I cannot think of another movie that I feel like the term fever dream applies to more uh, mm. than than Mother. No, and so for me, it's a binge it. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Uh, you know, I gave it. Uh, I gave it, it. Put my binge it bucket coming out of the festival. And I just think it's, you know, I just have to take, you know, I have to applaud Darren Aronofsky's craft that he was able as a filmmaker to execute this exceedingly unique, unusual vision. Um, So uncompromisingly that it's one of, you know, the few movies ever to get an F at the cinema score. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I just have to applaud the audacity uh, to make a movie like this Uh, because he's not following any fucking formula here. This is not, you know, in the mold of any other movie. Like this is its own bizarre personal vision. And, uh, and I, I personally thought it was um, just electrifying to watch.
0: Hmm.
2: Um, so oftentimes when I think about movies um, and I think about recommending them, it's very important. It's important for me and it's important for me to consider other people's time. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this is definitely a, um, a recommended Uh, on an individual basis there are some people i would say binge this let's talk about it right please you have to see this this is so fucking weird yeah and there are a lot of people i i would recommend they not waste their time yeah no i mean i wouldn't
1: tell my mom to watch it no
2: yeah um so yeah that was mother like i hate i walked out of there hating it did you but i kind of want to see it again Mm mm-hmm Ugh I hate myself now.
1: I know. You just want to show it to people. Yeah. Like, like, let's watch this together. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's watch this. Like, let's, let's. Oh, God. Yeah. No, I, 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 yeah. I look forward to seeing it again myself. Just to be like, is, did that all those things happen that I think I saw? Right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Should we talk about movies? Other movies? Movies that just came out? Movies that are coming out? Let's just wrap it up. Okay. Let's talk about Battle of the Sexes, then. Okay. The 1973 tennis match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs became the most watched televised sports event of all time. Trapped in the media glare, King and Riggs were on opposite sides of a binary argument, but off court, each was fighting a more personal and complex battle. With her husband urging her to fight for equal pay, the private King was also struggling to come to terms with her own sexuality, while Riggs gambled his legacy and reputation in a bid to relive the glories of his past. Hello?
1: Bobby Riggs. I had a great idea. Male chauvinist pig versus hairy
2: like feminist. You're still a feminist, right? I'm a tennis player who happens to be a woman. Don't hang up. I, by the way, I shave my legs.
0: Billie Jean King, already a champion of women's rights, is now the most successful female player of all time. I am not saying that women don't belong on the court. Who would pick up the
2: balls otherwise? Oh my God. There's not a single thing I don't hate about Bobby Riggs. You know what I'm
0: doing? I'm cooking.
2: I so this will be the first in a series of three movies that I have not seen.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Jason was this good? <laughs> I've really been really been fine-tuning my uh, we've really
1: taken our time game. off to get better. Mm-hmm. yeah
2: I've been doing nothing but practicing podcasting <laughs> Taking podcasting 101
1: man I, I tried to
2: test it in 102. it didn't work out.
1: Oh sure yeah yeah um yes so the out of the Sexes is is it's a really easy movie to recommend uh it is Isn't
2: the anti Anti-Mother?
1: <laughs> it is the anti-mother in a lot of ways because it is it's painted in such big broad mm. at times super obvious strokes um that but it's also um incredibly super entertaining mm. uh, you know it takes and it, it tells a surprisingly kind of it tells a very kind of subversive story in a very palatable mainstream way mm. uh so the sort of the, the, the secret behind *Battle of the Sexes* is, is that, in a lot of ways, it's actually a full-on queer movie. Go on. It's the kind of movie that, if it had a lesser cast, would be playing at like Frameline and Outfest.
2: Oh, interesting.
1: Uh, because you know we have this uh, this this central narrative. Well, one one thing to acknowledge about this movie is that it gives all of its characters a lot to do in a lot of different dimensions. And uh, so, you know, the, the with Bobby Riggs, the Steve Carell character, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of um, complexity to. I mean the, You definitely see the man behind this kind of like this this awful uh, surface that he's putting out there, being the sort of professional troll.
2: Which is interesting because the the event itself and the and the time was painted as such a like black and white issue without any sort of depth to it. That's that mm-hmm. makes this particularly interesting.
1: Yes. And for Billie Jean, uh, you know, it has to do with when the film begins, she's married to a man. Uh, But, you know, she, as we know now, Billie Jean King is a lesbian. And uh, in the course of this film, not only is she sort of heroically uh, sort of volunteering herself to become the face of women demanding equal pay uh, in the world of tennis, uh, but she's also realizing that she is attracted to women, mm-hmm. um, and so we watch her sort of tentatively begin her first ever lesbian relationship with a flirtatious hairdresser played by Andrea Riseborough, and
2: uh, uh, Billie Jean <clears throat> King is played by
1: Emma Stone, uh, who is wonderful. Uh, and uh, better and...
2: here or in Lawland.
1: I mean, she's great in both. They're very different characters. Mm-hmm. I think that this is this is you, this is a really great performance from her, just because it's you don't see her in it really at all. Mm. Um, you know, and she she looks very different than she normally does. Like it's really easy to forget that it's Emma Stone. Um, you know, she definitely brings the Emma Stoniness way down uh, in this one. She's terrific. She's absolutely outstanding. It's one of many. Outstanding lead actress performances that came out of TIFF this year. Mm-hmm. So that's the one takeaway from TIFF is that like best actress is going to be a fucking bloodbath this year. Um, so this is one of many. She's wonderful. And so, and then not only do we have this story about this, you know, this lesbian woman who is, is, you know, trying to balance, trying to figure out what to do now that she knows this about herself. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also, there's a supportive gay costumer uh, for the team played by Alan Cumming. Mm. And so, and so they have a full on alliance with each other. And like, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's remarkable uh, what's really going on in this film. Uh, but then all of that, none of it is presented in any sort of like, you know, dull or didactic way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all uh, just played with such energy by the cast, the filmmaking. Um, the only like negative thing I could say about Battle of the Sex is aside from the fact that it is um, pretty obvious Is that it makes so many election parallels. Oh, really? That you can tell when they were making it, they Mm -hmm. did not expect the outcome we got like none of us did. And so there's a lot of very on the nose. There's even like in the final match, there's people being like, you know, like, you know, Billie Jean for president.
2: Mm, Like, I'm with her. Yeah, Yeah.
1: exactly. And uh, and the Bobby Riggs character is such a Trump Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, he's just this provocateur. Uh, who is a, a personal professional troll who just washed knows up. how to say, yeah, washed up past his prime old dude uh, who is just like, we'll just say whatever provocative thing to get people to pay attention to him. Mm-hmm. Puts on all these publicity stunts, um, you know, nefarious financial dealings in this movie. It's a gambling addiction, um, which comes between him and his wife, who is played by Elizabeth Shue. Oh, wow. Elizabeth That's Shue. That's where she's been. Great to see her in this. Um, <clears throat> I should also mention that Emma Stone's agent is played by Sarah Silverman.
2: <laughs> That's awesome,
1: and uh, she is just a corker, as uh, usual. As usual, I like when she
2: shows up unexpectedly.
1: Yeah, uh, um, it's a real, it's a real treat.
2: So, how does this sort of very personal um, journey that uh, Billie Jean King is going on pair up against this very public? Um, you know, um, at some points maybe embarrassing, um, publicity stunt of their, um, of the of this of this great match, yeah. this battle of the sexes. Well,
1: and she's very reluctant to do the battle of the sexes. She, whenever Bobby Briggs first um calls her for it, she turns it down, and so he goes to one of her rivals who has it out for Billy Jean and uh and and gets her to do it and then bobby did uh take on this woman in uh in their own match and then bobby beat her handily mm. and it was after that that billie jean was feeling especially pressured uh, she's like well we have to you know she's like i have to and um you know just because she felt like you know she was doing so much to fight for women in sports women in tennis and you know and and through that you know women at large and uh so but i think that you know it is definitely used against her by that rival of hers um, mm-hmm. who's sort of like, well, Billie Jean, I have nothing to hide. Because Billie Jean tries to tell her, like, don't do this. Don't give him what he wants. If, if, there's nothing good that will come of this at all. And it's like, well, why not? I have nothing to hide. And this woman is like an evangelical Christian. And, mm-hmm. uh, and she has it out for Billie Jean because she has picked up that, um, you know, that the hairdresser is kind of on the road with them mm-hmm. and has been coming out of Billie Jean's room in the morning. Um, so... But, you know, Billie Jean's very cautious. She's not even anywhere close to being, like, out in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there are, you know, they address the issue of needing the hairdresser to maybe sort of not be there for a while because it's a distraction to Billie Jean and it makes her nervous. Um, but uh, And it kind of ends up in this interesting, uh, very modern uh, uh, situation where, you know, Billie Jean and her lover and her husband are all kind of coexisting uh, for mm. a while toward the end of the film. And uh, it's it's really it's poignant, and Emma Stone plays the sort of the inner life of Billie Jean beautifully, just as she's balancing all these different sort of contradictory impulses and instincts and insecurities and 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 hopes and fears and um, yeah, uh, she plays it beautifully, and uh, and Steve Carell gamely you know, goes all in on playing this complete fucking asshole. Does he, he
2: make uh, Bobby Riggs more likable than he should
0: be?
1: Um, I mean, I, I, I've, I've read some criticism that the movie doesn't, you know, condemn him as thoroughly as it should. But I mean, like, I, my personal philosophy is always in finding the humanity in every person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I am on board with the way they present Bobby Riggs in this movie. Um, I think that you know, his words speak for themselves. I don't think the movie needs to, like, say more than right. just the things that Bobby Riggs actually said and did. Um, but, you know, I think that, uh, you know, a lesser film would not have tried to find the humanity in him. And this mm. film does. So I give it that.
2: Uh, what are you giving this one?
1: I'm giving it a binge it.
0: Ooh. I think
1: that it, this it's a no brainer. Uh, it is it is such a good rousing time at the movies. Um, it's about fighting a good fight. Uh, the parallels are incredibly uneasy. Uh, but, you know, and, and certainly if you're anything like us, you probably might get a little sad watching it. <laughs> Being like, oh, but the lady didn't win. Um, You can just embrace it. Spoiler alert. Just remember, (laughs) just remember uh, that, you know, these, these battles have been going on for, for a long time uh, between, you know, uh, great women and awful men. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's it's a circular thing. Sometimes a great lady wins, such as in this situation. And other times she does not, such as in ours.
2: Battle of the Sexes is rated PG-13 for some sexual content and partial nudity. And that brings us to our second movie, which is Kingsman the Golden Circle. With their headquarters destroyed and the world held hostage, members of Kingsman find new allies when they discover a spy organization in the United States known as Statesman. In an adventure that tests their strengths and wits, the elite secret agents from both sides of the pond band together to battle a ruthless enemy and save the day, something that's becoming a bit of a habit for Eggsy.
0: We're from the Kingsman Tailor's shop in London. Maybe you've heard of us?
2: Today marks the beginning of a new age. Wait, I'm going to show you. Say goodbye to the Kingsman. Um, I didn't see Kingsman 1. I didn't see Kingsman too. Should I? <laughs>
0: no, you
1: like great, you like how good this it's is. It's a great angle. This is the best. I angle. really, I, you're coming in hot. Uh, I think I think the well. So we just took a moment to watch the trailer together, and when it began, you said, "This looks like something I might like." Uh, and so I would say, if it looks appealing to you, then yeah, you should watch the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and-
2: a bunch of smartly dressed secret agents as the trailer continued i my interest waned <laughs> Let's
1: so be that piece of it was interesting to you the yeah I would, maybe if
2: there was like a lookbook of it that i could just sure. kind of paw through and like look at the photos and People, then like find those glasses they
1: are incredibly sharply dressed in this film the whole idea is that it's a it's like a bespoke uh sort of a tailor mm-hmm. uh you know uh in 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 london that is secretly the home of that,
0: mm-hmm, so it's that is
1: that is secretly uh you know this sort of um law-keeping uh organization of mm. uh, these guys that uh, get sent out and they're kingsmen they go on they're perfectly tailored suits and they kick some ass and uh and sounds like a lot
2: of dudes doing dude stuff
1: you know uh well there are uh yes it is it's like many films in the genre yeah it's dudes doing dude stuff but you know but they're but they're dapper english dudes doing dapper english dude stuff so it's mm. a little better um you know colin firth uh in the first film spoiler alert is killed but Mm. in this film it turns out that he's still around uh and so which is actually
2: the spoiler alert
1: which is uh which i think is in the trailers um and uh and it's a weird it's a kind of like a dougie agent cooper situation uh i'm looking at you with confusion this is from this past season of twin peaks oh i haven't seen that god damn it what have you seen
2: um what have i seen i've been watching a lot of stand-up on netflix <laughs> oh, that last I... sarah silverman
1: special was pretty great
2: oh i watched room 104 did we talk about that
1: oh no oh no i didn't i haven't watched that yet oh, i have it all on good. the dvr yeah I, I was planning on watching it. it's okay, on the dvr on. i haven't watched any of it yet but um and the most recent season of Twin Peaks, um, there was this whole thing where there were like multiple comic Lachlans and, mm. and you know, like Agent Cooper gets out of the, you know, out of the Red Room and then he's out in the world, but he's this kind of very like, prototype, you know, this very sort of like worn down uh simplistic almost newborn baby version of himself where he Mm. like can't really speak and it's it's very weird yeah um anyway so yeah so there's a it's basically if you watch twin peaks then expect kind of a dougie situation from colin firth in this movie um so this this movie is it's two hours and 20 minutes long um but i will say that i was never bored
0: okay
1: uh it's very fun it's very fast moving um and it's 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 not as with any sequel especially for these kinds of you know the first movie was based on a comic book and it was directed by matthew vaughn as is this who previously directed wait
2: they they made a movie out of a comic sorry i couldn't Hmm. i tickled myself go on
1: um and uh so the same director matthew vaughn and uh you know it's not as fresh the second time around it's not as interesting Mm. it doesn't feel like oh it has so many cool ideas uh but what it does have is Julianne Moore Mm. playing a villain named Poppy. And she has her own amusement park called, like, Poppy Land. Mm. And uh, and Julianne makes an interesting... Is it very...
2: um, Do a lot of people go there? Is it very uh, popular?
1: No. No. Um, It's basically just her own private little amusement park, Mm. um, where just her and her staff... Um, And, uh, you know, it's an interesting kind of Julianne Moore really does her finest Leslie Ann Warren impression in the movie, which I appreciate
2: her best. Elizabeth Warren, Leslie Ann
1: Warren. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, and so the whole the characters, um, I guess, unique trait is that she is like, like this hyper feminine sort of almost 50s housewife type person. But she's also the world's most savage drug cartel leader. And mm-hmm. so there's the juxtaposition of her being like, Hi, everyone. Welcome to my place. What can I get you? Some tea? Great. Put him in the meat grinder. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, and this is where it gets into an issue where I don't care for these movies, because I think that they are very sneakily super conservative.
0: Mm-hmm. So the first
1: <laughs> film, the villain was played by Samuel L. Jackson, and he hmm. and he played an extreme environmentalist
2: interesting
1: yes and uh and he had uh oh god remember okja and <laughs> stop it stop sorry. it sorry okay it.
2: Pull him back Pull him back
1: and uh and you know and he his sort of like he, he was like basically like a doomsday environmentalist who was like prepared to like destroy the world um if he didn't you know couldn't get the changes that he needed and this is a movie that I forgot. Until I was reading something today. Literally had a scene in where in which Barack Obama's head explodes. Really? Yes, that was a thing that happened in the Kingsman movie, and no one even talked about it. Whoa! Um, because they're taking what? like world leaders hostage. Ugh. And I like that at all. so yeah, so it's it's a it's a, an environmentalist of color is the villain, and in this movie, Poppy's tactic uh, to sort of have more control is she wants drugs to be legalized, see? <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. and she releases uh, these, um, these tainted drugs out into the population uh, that make people get these weird blue veins that show up all over their face and body. And, uh, and she's trying to negotiate, like, well, if you don't legalize drugs, then, you know, hundreds of millions of people will die uh, because they all have been using my drugs. And, uh, mm. and so the, and so she's like, so be wise, legalize. Mm. I'm like, okay.
2: I see what you're going with this.
1: Um, and on top of that, and, and here's the thing, the movie probably, I think the movie thinks it's being even handed because it had, there's a very Trumpian president in this movie whose reaction to that is like, well, great, let them all die. You know, mm. like we don't need junkies in this world and we're not meant to agree with him. We're meant to think like, oh, how coarse you are. Um, and he has an assistant played by Emily Watson, who uh, is tries to reason with him. And she's like, "Well, these are still human beings, and they they, they need help." Um, hmm. And uh, and then she you know winds up being a drug user herself. And then she's mm-hmm. like carried off to the camps with the rest of the drug users. Oh, well, yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so you know, so it thinks that it's like being like, "Well, no, we have people who are being reasonable here." Um, oh. But really, it's still incredibly anti-drug, super super judgy about the drugs. And it um, and definitely just puts this idea out there of like the only reason that people would want to legalize drugs is for the nefarious reasons. Hmm. And um, and add to that the fact that this is a movie in which every person, even people who live in other countries, watches Fox News.
2: Yeah, it's not even you can't even watch Fox News in the UK anymore.
1: N- no, and the people watch Fox News in the UK, and this movie is made by Fox. But they don't do this normally. Mm -hmm. They don't do, they don't make people watch Fox News in their movies. And that feels like a very particular choice. Because literally, it's the only news that's ever on. Hmm. And the Fox News logo is always there. There's no joke about it. There's no commentary about it. And Fox News is presented as like, a far more rational, consistent news source than they've ever been really? in real life.
2: I mean, I feel like most of the superhero movies, um, which is something I'm going to speak about that I know nothing of. Yeah. Um, with the exception of maybe like Suicide Squad, generally the you know these themes of like good and evil are like pretty easy to you know uh, lay upon uh, society and say, um, you know, conservatives are bad people. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind. That's kind of usually how it pairs up every time. Right. So maybe maybe there's like Um, because then you like watch these movies and you're like well how can people go home and like have these crazy political views when they they clearly like know who the good guy in these movies Mm -hmm. could be right Um, maybe they're trying to maybe is who is Mnuchin involved (laughs)
1: he might be I didn't see his name in the credits but uh, I think you should look into this I know I know I mean obviously he's produced many films that have no conservative leanings at all but
2: maybe he's like trying to switch turn, turn the tide a bit he might
1: be he might be uh but it's impossible to miss it's mm. impossible to miss
2: that sounds and uh, so in, ugly
1: so in both movies we have you know white dudes who are battling people who aren't white dudes who are advocating for what are considered like extremely progressive radical causes like hmm. environmentalism and drug legalization
2: i mean i am fully against drug legalization. No, i'm just kidding <laughs> <clears throat> uh it seems like a yeah it seems kind of unnecessary or like yeah. unnecessarily um uh I don't know topical it's not even topical really no
1: no it's not it just feels like yeah it's 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 a weird sort of like rip from the headlines kind of mm-hmm. thing but it's but no I mean you're right that normally the you know the allegories of these movies mm-hmm. are you know that like this more con- traditionally conservative view is like the the villainous one mm-hmm And these movies are unique in a bad way in that, like, their villains are usually, like, fighting for some sort of radical progressive view. And they're trying to, like, you know, sort of uh, muddy the waters and make people think that, like, "This this is a common, that's the thing about people who are environmentalists. They're all like this. Right, right. Or, you know, people want to legalize drugs. That's just so they can sell them and make more money. Um and you well, know I
2: guess the same argument could be used for like the the evil of the conservatives of the traditional comic book movies like it's just a big organization that's trying mm-hmm. to make money and kill people like that's not what all conservatives are like Sure
1: sure yeah, We all I mean, know
0: that's <laughs> true They are
1: <laughs> Yeah no it's true I mean like and, you know perspective is you know is everything on 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 such matters but uh but it's just a bummer that these movies tend to be yeah on that conservative side and the Fox News thing just pushed it over the over mm, the top yeah for that's me. really weird yeah
2: what are you giving this movie?
1: I'm giving it consumed moderation oh, uh okay. because you know it's still like it's it's very, very fun um and I was shocked that it was two hours and 20 minutes because it mm. did not feel like it when I was watching it, it felt a lot shorter. Annie and Julianne Moore is fun. She's fun. Mm. She gives a fun performance. I didn't even mention Shane Tatum is in this. Halle Berry is in this. Jeff Bridges is in in this. Uh, This is a movie that has a lot of very famous actors who are in it inexplicably for just not a lot of time. And Halle Berry has never been styled worse.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Monster's Ball? No. Okay. Um, Kingsman, The Golden Circle is rated R for sequences of strong violence, drug content, language throughout, and some sexual material. Movie number three, Stronger. Jeff Bauman loses both of his legs when two bombs explode during the Boston Marathon on April 15th, 2013. After regaining consciousness in the hospital, Jeff is able to help law enforcement identify one of the suspects, but his own battle is just beginning. With unwavering support from his family and girlfriend, Bauman embarks on a long and heroic journey to physical and emotional rehabilitation.
0: There was an explosion, and your legs, they're gone, bro. Welcome home. Is it good to be back? (laughs) What are you doing? Uh, talking to you. What are you doing? Dancing. You're trying to make a hero out of me. You need to tell your family what's
2: going on with you. Um watching this trailer this is a movie that i want to hate mm-hmm. but i find myself not hating am i getting soft
1: no you Fuck. are you are you are picking up what this movie is putting down uh this is this is a great film
2: is it that you gotta be bad that you gotta be bold you gotta be wiser
1: i mean spoiler alert yes uh <laughs>
2: you so gotta that. be tough mm-hmm. you gotta be i don't remember the, rest of the lyrics
1: you gotta be older
2: you gotta be stronger is really what we're getting to
1: yeah yeah. Uh, lots lots of stronger songs we could throw out there. Some Britney. We could throw out some Cher strong enough. Mm. Uh, I could throw out both of those things uh, real easy. But uh, So, guys, you might remember that Rebecca and I once reviewed a little movie called Patriot's Day.
2: We did. Uh,
1: that we, we did. nearly died seeing, if you remember. Oh, yeah. A wild rainstorm, and we were mm-hmm. careening up Van Ness to go and see this mm-hmm. sh- horrible, shitty movie. <laughs> Um, and uh, and so I think that, you know, Rebecca and I could be reasonably expected to have a great hesitation going into watching this film stronger since mm-hmm. it's now the second major film made out of the Boston Marathon bombing. And um, I went into it reluctantly, mm-hmm. uh, certainly. I Kicking mean, I, and screaming. I was cautiously optimistic because it's directed by David Gordon Green, mm-hmm. uh, who, uh, you know, is a great indie sort of vanguard director who did like George Washington, all the real girls. Um, and has done some really kind of off-the-wall studio comedies like Pineapple Express. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so I was, he, he's made some odd choices recently. Um, they're not all winners, but I was like, okay, well, him and the cast is really good. Jake Gyllenhaal, Tatiana Maslany, Miranda Richardson. Uh, and, uh, and then I get into watching it, and here is what makes this movie really great. It, it is a rebuttal to things like Patriot's Day. And here's why. Tell me. So Jeff Bowman uh, was not even a runner um, in the marathon. He was there cheering on uh, his um, currently, at that time, like ex-girlfriend mm. trying to get her back. Oh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, that, that hits ya. That's a story.
1: Yes. and um, And then he lost his legs. <laughs> and so um and so the
2: funny part so
1: we're going through uh you know, the movies told in a linear style so we go through you know those events and we you know go through the you know he was able to help identify one of the attackers uh because he uh, was able to like you know he, he noticed this guy while he was waiting because the guy kind of brushed past him mm-hmm. with like the cap and the glasses and so, he was able to help identify, um, you know, one of the attackers, and then he was, you know, celebrated in the media, because there was also, there was that famous picture of him where he was, like, sitting there in, like, a wheelchair with, like, all, like, the soot over oh, him. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking, like, you know, just in shock. And so, that picture was a big deal, and um, and then he, you know, was immediately celebrated as, like, a hero. He's a hero. He's a survivor of this terrorist attack. He's a hero because he helped track down one of the terrorists, and... Um, And then the media moved on Mm -hmm. and they've turned him into a star um, at this most destroyed, vulnerable Mm -hmm. part of his life. And now he's left with his like boisterous, brawling Boston family and his like on again, off again girlfriend who now feels an extreme Mm -hmm. fraught connection to him. Mm -hmm. Um, And everywhere he goes, all he's trying to do is process what's happened to him. Uh, because you know, these, you know, the, the, heroism heroicism that people are projecting onto him means nothing to him as the mm-hmm. person who it happened to. Right. And so all he's trying to do is just like figure out what his life is now that he's had this horrible thing happen. He's lost both of his legs. He's going through all these painful procedures to learn how to walk again. Um, and then everywhere he goes, people go, Oh, you're, you're that guy, you're Jeff Bowman. You really showed them. And he's like, showed him what? uh the, the the boston strong that's what um mm. or like yeah you know like that's right you didn't let the terrorists win and mm. he's like well where from where i'm sitting <laughs> i have no legs so they did kind of win
0: mm.
1: interesting uh so uh so it really uh it really sort of i think confronts the audience with what we do to people mm-hmm. who go through things like this
2: it's funny because I think that's part of what we hated about Patriot's Day—that is that mm-hmm. it was one of those tools that yeah. did that thing to people Absolutely. like this. It was—it felt like someone like was watching Fox News and mm-hmm. saw there was a bombing and was like, "Give me a pen and paper. Mm-hmm. We're gonna exploit the fuck out of this immediately. How fast can we turn this around?" Yeah. Um, it was. It just felt so cheap and uh, heartless, and it didn't mm-hmm. feel like crass. Uh, it didn't feel like it was a human story.
1: No, no, and this is very much a human story. Uh, so. It really, really pulls you into this sto- Jeff's story of of recovery, and ultimately, it's not it's not a film that's saying that he you know that he shouldn't be thought of as a public figure that people shouldn't talk to him or people shouldn't. It's basically part of his journey is is managing all of these different relationships and what it means now for his family and for his girlfriend mm-hmm. um, that these things have happened, um, and then also his journey toward being able to like step into his identity fully as like. Mm-hmm. who he is as a public figure, like to be able to be comfortable with going outside and having people need to be like, to say things to him that like, like I, you gave me hope or, you know, like things like that. Right. Um, so it's, it really is such an amazing case study that I don't feel like we've ever seen a movie like this before, especially in our, um, you know, in our media age where every, every story, every, tr- every calamity, every terrible thing has these people who have these super short, supernova type, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, media profiles Um, And then they're on every talk show and they're celebrating. that Everyone tells them they're a hero and then they're gone. Uh, But they're still alive, going day by day in the world. And uh, and I think this movie... What was their job like before and
2: after? and, And also this man's life has changed in ways that we can't imagine.
1: Yeah. And this movie shows you that perspective and it's remarkable for doing that. It does it incredibly well. Jake Gyllenhaal, I think... Is almost for sure going to get uh, nominated for an Oscar for this. It's one of his best performances, uh, and also since he, Okja. Since Okja, and he's been giving. Speaking of Okja, <laughs> he's been giving great performances in super left field movies for a few mm. years now, mm-hmm. like Nightcrawler and Nocturnal mm, yeah. Animals.
2: Oh, right. And
1: uh, and this is and those were great performances in films that had a harder time getting uh, awards traction, but this could not be more of an awards movie, and so like this is his chance. Uh, conventional wisdom right now is that Gary Oldman has Best Actor on lock for playing Winston Churchill in Darkest Hour.
2: Man, I thought they changed the the uh, the demographic of the Academy.
1: Well, maybe that'll come through. Maybe that'll come through. Do um, people
2: really want to see a Winston Churchill movie?
1: Well, Gary Oldman's do. Uh, see. Yeah, he's only he's only been nominated once, and uh, yeah, so that's that's the everyone feels like he's going to get it for that. But Jake in this movie is, and he is he is out there working the circuit. He's mm-hmm. been doing a lot of like unconventional appearances, visiting with, uh, you know, with, uh, with veterans and with, you know, survivors of attacks. And he was doing that in the Bay Area recently to promote the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he is definitely like, he's going all in on this in terms of the campaign around the performance.
2: Not Oakjaw again, but he's going whole hog. <laughs> um, do you watch Over from Black?
1: Uh, I do. Uh, and this is a terrific performance from Tatiana Maslany uh she she
2: she plays so he has six girlfriends
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah
2: one's like a right a hacker and one's like a mom right mm-hmm. and then
1: yeah they're all running and the race at the wacky, same time wacky russian yeah and uh and then the only and then surviving one <laughs> um <laughs> is the only who winds up dating him but uh so this is the movie in general is it has a lot of parallels um parallels and similar similarities to the fighter the David O. Russell movie with uh, Christian Bale and oh, right. Mark mm-hmm. Wahlberg, Melissa Leo, and Amy Adams. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens to be a movie that I love. And um, and that's part of what I was responding to in this movie. But Tatiana Maslini very much plays, like, the Amy Adams character. Mm. Um, and, uh, and and Miranda Richardson plays the Melissa Leo role, which is a real hoot to see. <laughs> um, the great English actress, Miranda Richardson, playing this, like, trashy Boston, Boston mom. mom yeah. yeah, pretty, pretty great. So oh, I, well, that's another question. These yeah.
2: movies... It's Boston's always a character. <laughs> um, is. is this is this in a way where it's you know again like Patriots Day uh, mm-hmm. or like any other movie about fucking Boston?
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: is it is it unbearable?
1: Well, I think part of what makes this different is that you know there is the sense of like any time you know by not long into the movie anytime anyone says Boston's strong you like shudder and you're like mm-hmm. meant to shudder.
0: Mm, okay. So I think it's oh, sort of, interesting. Yeah.
1: So I think it challenges that a little bit. Um, you know, and because like it means. For for Jeff, it means fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, it does not give him any comfort to hear about Boston Strong. It does not give, it does not make him feel any better about what happened to him to know that Boston feels bolstered in its strength by what he did, uh, you know. So I think that it's basically, yeah. it takes someone who, up until that point, probably would have been the kind of dude who was like yeah yeah Boston's strong uh you know mm. and then like f- makes him understand what it feels like when you're the person that something like this happens to and then that has all this meaning imbued onto it by your community yeah I mean those things are and never
2: you... for the people that no, they that end up being too. about it's for the community it's yeah. for the the media it's to mm-hmm. sell t-shirts it's yeah. to help people you know get back into their lives and, and absolutely characters like him uh are just a tool
1: yeah just a means that we to all an use yeah. um, for that so this is a really terrific view of that. I did get to attend the gala screening of this, and uh, and Jeff Bowman was there, and he came out. Oh. He was and he was wearing um you know he was wearing like a blazer and uh, and, and he was wearing shorts uh, so that he could show off his mm. his legs, uh you know show off his prosthetics, and uh, and I was in the next um, booth over from the cast, and so once the movie started, I got to watch as as uh, Jake walked him arm in arm down the stairs down mm. to their seats in the front and um and you know this was just a guy who was working i think jeff was working at like a costco Mm uh you know he was every every ounce just an an, an average dude uh and um you know and now since he allowed this movie to be made we know that he has been able to become more comfortable with what this Mm -hmm. has meant to people but um but i think that this is uh yeah just a really valuable uh unique perspective on something that you know lesser movies have given the more obvious treatment to and that makes this all the more essential
2: and you're giving it a... Binge it. Binge it. Wow. Yes. Man. Um, Stronger is rated R for language throughout, some graphic injury images, and brief sexuality and nudity. And this brings us to our fourth movie, um Brad's Status,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which Jason... I did see this movie, but uh, in spite of my thoughts, Jason thinks this is the pick of the week.
1: Yes. And Scott would agree with me, by the way.
2: Brad Sloan has a satisfying career and a comfortable life in suburban California, but is not quite what he imagined during his glory days in college. Sloan keeps comparing his life with those of his four college friends, wondering what it would be like to have their well-paying and glamorous jobs. When circumstances force Brad to reconnect with his buddies, he soon begins to question whether he has failed, or in some ways, is the most successful of them all.
0: At night, my mind drifted back to college. So many
1: friends have become successful. Craig Fisher worked for the White House. Jason Hatfield had his own hedge fund. Billy Worcester sold his tech company at 40. What do I have? I work for a nonprofit. I have nothing to show for it.
2: Somebody asked about you, you know, whatever happened to you. Where's Brad? I remember they got Brad. Brad's status. Not what you think it is. It's not, uh, what's that movie, The Band Played On? And The Band Played On. And The Band, on. band Played On.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Jeffrey. Jeffrey.
2: Um, it couldn't be more different, I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a real hot take there. <laughs> you, you know, this is not a movie about AIDS. Um,
2: this movie is a. What is this movie about? This movie is about um, middle-aged uh, Ben Stiller um, sending his boy off to college. Um, you know, f- really feeling like he hasn't done a thing with his life in in contrary to reality, and then just really feeling sorry for himself during this extended weekend of uh, mm-hmm. college visits to Harvard
1: and having no self awareness whatsoever. None at all. Uh, Uh, But
2: luckily there are um, women of color to help him guide the way.
1: Don't even. She doesn't help him guide the way. She calls him out.
2: That's she, what helps people guide the way. Well, until, until well, somebody doesn't want to fucking listen to it and they
1: right ignore yeah. you. She calls him out. That's an amazing fucking scene. I love that scene. Like you know, like that scene
2: was. It took too long to to get to that scene.
1: I don't. But I think that that that's the movie. Like you know, I think that this movie. So I had a bad feeling when I watched this because I loved it so much. And I'm like, I hope Rebecca doesn't take the approach to this I think she's going to take. And you're taking the <laughs> approach I thought you were going to take.
2: Here's the thing. This movie. Okay let's finish describing it first before we get into into the takes. Mm-hmm. Um so he has these friends. So this taking his son to college visits reminds him of college. Um and because he has to call in a favor when he's there, he's he's brought he's brought back into contact with these guys that he used to be friends with mm-hmm. who are all ridiculously successful at least in his mind right they're all crazy like and they are actually people like we don't know like the people with private planes mm-hmm. and one's like a tv news pundit uh one is like owns a, a house in hawaii and like they're all like m- super rich and very mm-hmm. famous so the expectation and the standards are, are pretty pretty mm-hmm. wild uh so he's you know he's meant to confront you know who he is as someone who runs his own nonprofit. Um, and just kind of figuring out, you know, if he's a success or not. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's what the movie is. I think we're pretty much, you know, kind of covers. Well,
1: it's basically, you know, it is this really, uh, very, very, very sort of probing insightful look at the way that like a a middle-aged white man's ego works. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, but by extension, I don't think it's only middle-aged white men who could relate to this because I think that. People are comparers. And I think that like, you know, anyone who's ever wondered like, oh, God, like, is my life nothing? Like, have I accomplished nothing? Everyone I know, and because you, know, you only think the people you know who you think are doing well, they're all doing that and they're doing this and they're doing that. What am I doing? Um, and you just completely lose sight of all the things that you do have. Um, and then you uh, are just lost in this in this envy and jealousy and resentment. And you just, in your mind is your own worst enemy because you're imagining all these things about them that might not even have any basis in fact. And I think what this movie does, this movie has a really thorough, like full-length voiceover of Ben Stiller's thought process as he's going, everything from resenting these guys to even resenting his son for his son's success um you know and being alarmed but then be like okay that's the thing that i'm going to use to make myself feel good like oh yeah my son's going to do really well he's going to get into harvard um and then you know he just takes every position on how can i use this to like comfort my ego Mm -hmm. um how will this benefit how can i get this to like make me feel like less like i fucked up um less like i should feel inferior to these guys who um i used to be friends with and now they're all better than me and they're not inviting me to their weddings anymore Uh,
0: i
2: feel like um when you say everyone can relate to this i think that is not true um this doesn't feel very relatable to me and i think that maybe that maybe that's part of that situation where it's like when you don't have this like white male expectation of you to have like graduated college and done all these things because no one expects you to do anything it's you don't have that sort of um you know uh, battle in your head
1: well i think that it's not ben stiller has a specific set of uh of things in this movie that he thinks that he should have done But I think that it's a more common human experience to just feel like that sense of like, oh man, like there's more that I wanted to do in life. You know, especially when you get to middle age, this is why the midlife crisis is so common where you're like, well, I'm midway in and I'm looking around and I don't really know if this is a life that I wanted or that I imagined I was going to have when I was younger. I think that that journey from like youthful idealism into like middle age complacency is not strictly a white male experience.
2: Um, I think the degree to with this to which this movie um, is does not deviate from that that central concept. This guy we, we he wakes up um, with this thought and and takes us through one of many long minutes about minutes of internal um, monologue about his idea of himself, which is the whole movie. It doesn't ever change. Like it, there's only so many times that I can hear one guy talk about how he feels like a failure. Like we get it. Like it, it's it's so boring. And I think that. (laughs) it's the examples that you cited about, you know, he really takes every angle he can where he's like, oh, maybe I can be successful because my son's successful. And then he's like, well, what if my son, you know, doesn't count me as part of his success and resents me? Now, I hate my son's success. Um, To the very beginning where he's talking about, he he wakes his wife up asking how much her parents' house is worth and Mm -hmm. and if they could have it one day. He's completely unsympathetic.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And to watch someone so unsympathetic go through this like hard time and this introspection You're, there's no there's no feeling for him it's annoying like I, I think that like you see so many of these people in the world and i don't give a shit about them those those people sit there and talk to you for hours about their whole life story like he does to this one right. of color mm-hmm. and it's boring in real life and it's boring to watch it in a movie
1: oh my god i am in i'm furious with you right now that you're having this <laughs> react to the movie i'm fucking furious have
2: you did you are you aware of the extra tooth
1: uh, <laughs> it might be coming for you you better watch out bring it you fucking weirdo tooth <laughs> um yeah no so i completely disagree with everything rebecca has said um <laughs> and uh and, and to me i was so okay so mike white wrote and directed this um he previously um wrote directed a movie called year of the dog with molly shannon he wrote the school of rock uh he created the show enlightened with laura Dern on hbo I feel like *Enlightened* is the clearest sort of descendant to this movie because mm-hmm. what he excels in doing is creating protagonists who are um, who are very unself-aware and who have no idea how sort of like selfish they're being and think that they're like charging ahead with this like noble quest. Mm-hmm. So, like in *Enlightened*, it was Laura Dern playing this like high-ranking executive asshole who had a complete nervous breakdown at work and went away to some like hippie commune and now comes back being like I'm this here I just want to make things green. I just want to like I just want to like make this a greener place. But meanwhile, she's like seething with rage and resentment and just wants to get back to her place in the pecking order, mm-hmm. but she has no idea that that's how she really feels. She thinks that she is there to like make it better. Um and uh and in this, Ben Stiller really thinks that he's like I'm just there just trying to help my son. And, you know, we're going to go, and I'm going to help him move on with this next part of his life. And I don't think that he is... I think Mike White, ultimately, as, like, a master social satirist, I think he does have affection for the character. I don't think that... I think that he is appropriately scornful of the character, and he, like, lays all of his shit bare for the audience Mm -hmm. because it is very much the unfiltered, like, you know, inner monologue of this character. We get it for the entire movie. And... uh, But so I think... But I think, ultimately, he has affection for him. Like there's there are sweet moments where he starts to realize that his son is, you know, is this remarkable little person. Um, but at the same time there are awful moments like when he starts to think, oh, maybe it's my wife's fault because mm, she's she's mm-hmm. so easily you know, complacent. Uh, you know, everything is everything that I do, she says it's fine. Everything's fine. What about my ambition? She stifled my ambition. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just like it's like a it's like a yeah, it's just like a vivisection of like these thoughts. And I think that Mike White uh, just uh just lays it so thoroughly out there in a way that i think is beautifully played. i think this you know ben stiller has played variations of this character for a while but mm-hmm. this is
2: this is like the most boring version of the secret life of walter media oh saying. my god shut up this is <laughs> this is
1: this is this is this is the best that he has ever been i think a lot of ways uh like this is this is this is Ben Stiller, the Ben Stillerist, you'll ever see him, but it's also, yeah. it's also, I think it's like, he can't ever go back to this well again, because I feel no. like, I feel like they've perfected it in this movie. And I don't think that, you know, to do like some half ass version of it later, will just be like, okay, like you, you, where do you go from Brad's status? Mm-hmm. Like, like you, when you've done this thorough and fully realized of a character study, um, like where do you go from that type again?
2: I'm not. I'm not saying that. Like, I don't think that this movie makes him out to be some kind of hero, or that you're no. supposed to say that he's like um, maybe necessarily even super relatable to a lot of people. Even though it does feel very realis- realistic, um, there are also a couple of things. There are a couple of choices made in the movie um, that make it harder to bear. Um, other than again, just having to listen to this guy um there's there's one point where he's describing he lives in Sacramento mm-hmm. and he's describing like where he lives and he 's like he just has so much like loathing for like what he's doing in his life right and he describes like everyone like going out to to dinner with his friends and he calls everybody a bunch of beta males mm-hmm. um and there's another part where he's, like, having this fantasy about what his good friend's kids are like. Right. And he's like, well, at least I didn't raise some, like, you know, pretentious asshole. And, like, to give it to illustrate the example of what a pretentious asshole is, Mm -hmm. the kids say something like, oh, that's just, like, so Mm cisnormative. So, like, in his idea, like, a pretentious asshole is someone who's at all aware of, like, um, gender issues. Right. And then... and then there's this other part where he's visualizing his, his other friend um, who is living in a in a house, beach house in Hawaii mm-hmm. with two women. Right. And so he's like picturing himself in that guy's state. And, mm-hmm. and all you see of these two women is that they're all frolicking on the beach in bikinis. Right. At one point, he goes and meets his... Um, His uh, college son's friends, these two women who are, you know, they're in Harvard. Mm -hmm. uh, They're musicians. Mm -hmm. um, They're classical musicians, and he pictures them as being the two women that are. And I, I understand. Like, I just don't. This is not the state. This is like a. This is like watching a Woody Allen movie. This is like I do not have space for to listen to this. To watch this guy fantasize about being with his teenage sons like two lady friends who are like Mm -hmm. geniuses. I, it's just it was really it was really hard. I I understand the the mm-hmm. concept. I can see right. how there is, but it's just I can't with this guy. I cannot with this guy.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, like I think that those things are part and parcel of the thorough character study that they're doing here. Uh, you know, like I think that you know it's important to note that Mike White, the filmmaker, is is gay, and uh, and I think that he is. I think he has great disdain uh, for those pieces of the character as well. But for him to, like, create this fully realized, fully dimensional version of the character Brad, you have to imagine also, like, what his, like, weird, sad sex fantasies are. And uh, and what he thinks of, you know, like, about masculinity. And, you know, that's just part of, like, fully conceiving this character, of Brad. And the funny thing about the Sacramento bit is that Hating Sacramento... like, it is a
2: bunch of beta males. Hating Sacramento <laughs> was very
1: big at TIFF this year. Because oh, really? Because Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig's movie, mm-hmm. is all about how Greta Gerwig grew up in Sacramento and hated it and couldn't get away to get out.
2: This is like, this is the natural pendulum where in, at one point it all swung yeah. towards Joan Didion and now it's all swinging against her.
1: Although um, Lady Bird actually opens with a Joan Didion quote. Really? <laughs> I'm like, oh no, Greta Gerwig. Oh, wait, I think,
2: didn't, didn't difficult people just have a Joan Didion joke as well? I it's, think it it's did. She's very, very yeah. hot to hate her right the, now.
1: The quote that it opens with is something like, um, anyone who speaks of California hedonism has never spent a Christmas in Sacramento <laughs> or something like that
2: with a bunch of beta
1: males. Exactly, with a bunch of beta males. Um,
2: I don't, I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying that you're totally wrong, like you said. I am,
0: but I think that <laughs> I
2: think that I just, I we disagree. have a different a different level of tolerance for this right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I would al- almost feel the same way if it was a movie like a really thorough character study of some you know like neo-nazi i don't know that this year would be the year i'd want to see it Mm um so yeah i don't know maybe it's maybe it's that but uh maybe it's also uh the fact that this movie fucking sucks (laughs) 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 just kidding just kidding um yeah i don't know
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, like this is, I mean, I, yeah, like I said, I did, I, I had an inkling. Like, who, who's going to
2: fucking tell the story of this I white hadn't... guy who has a lot of self-doubts? Listen, Finally, someone told his story. It's
1: not the lack of story. It's how well it's told. It's how well it's written. It's how well it's acted. I think the level of insight that Mike White has in the screenplay is to me, unprecedented. I think that it is such a thorough psychological examination of this man's psyche, of his ego. It's the likes of which I don't feel like I've ever but seen. But I feel this like thoroughly. it's like
2: these are like the, you could have guessed. Like if you and I were to sit here with mm-hmm. a notepad and we're like, let's paint a picture of like this guy, mm-hmm. we could easily put all these things together. No. Nothing here was a surprise. No, like, these no are it all the was. Things I've either heard people like this say,
1: or I know that they're thinking. Okay, I was constantly surprised. I was constantly. I was like every every turn. I was like, oh my god, this is so on point. Mike White is killing it. This is an- amazingly insightful. And like Scott and I walked out of it. This, when Scott came to TIFF for the final weekend, this was one of the first movies he watched with me. And um, the the first, the very first of which was *Disobedience*. By the way, mm, um, when did we review that one? Which we didn't like. And then we Dang went it. and saw *Brad's Status*. And then it, we were, yeah, we were both just uh, the, the 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 ear for dialogue, just the tiny hairpin turns that the conversation scenes take. The, uh, the, the... Just... endless
2: droning and repetitive <laughs> nature of oh the same God. same concepts over and over and over again and
1: see but I think that it was not to me it wasn't repetitive but, I mean I get that like you know if, if 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 from your point of view if you're like well every story about white men and you know like there's no lack of representation there and this is just like this towering extremely navel gazing the most navel gazing story of a white man I've ever seen uh, I can see why it just wouldn't have value but, uh, by,
2: but I think like with, in, within the movie itself his thoughts it's it's the same thought over and over it's and not, over though, again
1: because he goes on a journey with the thoughts barely it's, it's it, every scene is a progression every scene is somewhere else every scene it follows his thoughts into a new direction or into new like okay now this is a situation now maybe i could do this but what would that mean and then what would they do there okay now i need to do this like it's not it's not the same thing like there is a full arc that goes through in this movie and i think it's remarkable and i think that the end what is what is the arc I think the arc is him having this realization, uh, you know, well, there's a lot of things going on, you know, with his you know, different levels of his like mental state in this movie. But, you know, a big part of it is, is him being a comparer and him going on this arc of like, realizing that his version in, of what he thought these guys were doing every day uh, was not grounded in reality. Uh, and, uh, you know, and so having that lesson, and this is, you know, I am a comparer, I'm a huge comparer.
2: I'm, and, I'm not at all a comparer. And
1: so, and Scott's not either. And so he didn't relate to the comparing part, but he still thought this was absolutely amazing. It was one of the favorite movies that we saw there. Um, but, uh, but you know, I think that as a comparer, it really, really spoke to me. Um, because I think if you are the kind of person who can get lost in your own thoughts and, you know, start to be down yourself about like, oh, well, I, I should be doing this. Or like, oh, this isn't enough. Or like, well, this is hardly anything. And, and this person, meanwhile, is doing this. And uh, you know, so I think that uh, you know, so it really, I, I really connected with it. I felt like it laid bare very private thoughts um, that have not been spoken in like a film before about like the things that you. Thi- Woody
2: Allen thing talk about no, this all the time. No, absolutely
1: not. Not even close. And also the Woody Allen thing, mm. like it's, it's he's not outside of his characters in the way that this is outside of Brad. Like, Mike White is is not Brad. Mike White is able to... No, but I'm not to, talking about
2: the director. I'm talking about the the characters in the movies.
1: No, no. The, what the do you, of the movie. We Allen's characters are very rarely developed at all. Uh, you know, like, they are... The writing is not even close to this in terms of the detail to, like, the emotional inner life.
2: But there's, that like the whole, like, this uh, contentious relationship with your peers who are in, like, a similar industry and, like i don't know trying to trying to assert your your success or your, your masculinity even though there's like it's clearly questioned
1: by i mean i can't think of them. many woody allen movies that are like that you know I anything mean, every now and then if he makes a movie about an artist then yeah who always have his protagonist you know calling someone a pseudo-intellectual mm-hmm. but that's about as far as it gets <laughs> uh in the woody allen uh, version of this story
2: um, I mean, nothing against you, <laughs> which is a great way to start, mm-hmm. but I feel like, and I wish I wish I would have said this before you said you were a comparer, mm-hmm. but I feel like the comparing thing is, it, it's so, there's such a narcissism to it that mm-hmm. is, um, I guess it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, It, well, it, 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 it doesn't I matter
2: because I don't think that that's fundamentally the problem with the movie. The problem with the movie is that I think it's very boring i think it starts off and it sets the tone and he says this thing he goes mm. on this whole thing about how he thinks he's a failure mm-hmm. and he literally spends the whole movie just thinking that until the very end went through the magic of beautiful music played by women who he says are beautiful and also brilliant
0: mm-hmm.
2: um you know touches him and makes him realize what he really has which i
1: don't know right so you didn't care that's i get it you didn't care <laughs> you're watching the movie you didn't care No, I didn't uh care. and that's fine i care well and there and therein, therein lies our different reactions to the movie
2: and there it is brad status mm-hmm. uh once again uh the big takeaway it's not about aids
1: nope so that's a different one but we'll, it's we'll try to write that ourselves
2: rated r for language uh and that's it that's it. that was it it's we're clocking in at six and a half hours <laughs> um so hope you were able to take a water break stay hydrated uh, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Binge. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes if you're an iPhone user, um, Stitcher, whatever, your podcasts, or some fun. Thank you so much.
1: Back you. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You
0: made it to the end, that's amazing. There, there goes, goes The, the Binge. binge.